Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. should mention this morning also, it was, uh, I forgot that um, uh, Madeline was in Mozambique as well. Madeline and Madeline Myers went there last Last year, last spring, at the end of was it a year, last past summer, and uh, they got to visit the ministry there, and we'll pray for Armenio as he heads back to uh, Mozambique. Uh, what day are you leaving? Thursday. Okay, so we'll pray for a safe trip back and greet the brothers and sisters there for us, and hope somebody got a picture so you can take a picture back. Let me get a picture of him leading singing up here today. You got a video? Okay, that's good. That'll work. All right. Um. A lot of the um, computer and tablets and phones these days, um, you know, talk to you, right? They have, like, people living inside them that, that, <laughs> that talk to you. Has your phone got somebody living inside it, Doris, that talks to you? It does? What's his name? Siri. Siri? <laughs> oh, what's her name? Sorry. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, we don't want to start any rumors here about doors with the guy talking. <laughs> so um, my wife has a, uh, a tablet that, um, I'm sorry, sorry, I just spilled some water up here. My wife has a tablet that uh, she was trying out the voice inside the tablet. And so she asked, you know, what's your name? And the, the person told her her name. And then she asked, uh, where do you live? And, of course, she said, well, I live here <laughs> in tablet. And then uh, she asked, uh, she asked um, which, which she would like to ask, you know, most people, this is interesting to her, do you have a dog? <laughs> do you have a dog? Well, it didn't quite understand. <laughs> the person's English isn't so great. It didn't quite understand. And, and she said, she thought, she thought that she asked her, do you have a God? <laughs> okay. Do you have a God? Which she wouldn't have asked the tablet, of course, you know. But she asked the tablet, do you have a God? And the tablet said uh, something along the lines, I tried to write it down, it was something along the lines of, um, you should ask someone more qualified than me about your spiritual questions. (laughs) Preferably a human. (laughs) Preferably a human. So, um, I'm here today as a human to... uh, to answer some of your spiritual questions that a human left us in the book of Ephesians. But fortunately, uh, this human was very qualified to answer our questions because this human was inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul. And the Holy Spirit, uh, even though we, we realize that those voices inside our tablets and phones and computers are computer programs, uh, what's inside of us is the Holy Spirit, a very real person. And the Apostle Paul, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, was inspired by the Holy Spirit as an apostle to leave us uh, good instruction, faithful instruction, inspired instruction about our spiritual lives. So I'd like you to ask you to open to Ephesians chapter 2. And today we're just going to be looking at the passage that Pastor Kevin read to us. Next week, Pastor Gary is going to be preaching in the last part of this section. This is a very, very essential portion of Scripture for any believer to understand and to know. 
this this passage of scripture is almost a sine qua non, the you know that which without that this so much of the of the of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the message that the apostle left for us for the church the body of Christ can be compacted into these verses here. It's very very important, and so it's my privilege today and honor to have an opportunity to have you open this passage and um, consider it together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we pray that uh, your words will be heard. We pray that our hearts would be opened to your word. We would listen to your word, and your word would affect our lives even in this week and even in this day. To this, uh, we humbly ask in Christ's name, amen. This passage, following chapter 1, which we ended with that wonderful prayer in chapter 1 that Paul kind of breaks into in verse 15 and ends in verse 22-23, And God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And then chapter 2, Paul says this, but for you, now he's, talked, he's, he's been talking to the church, to, to, the, to the, the God's unfolding story of salvation and revelation. And we could almost say, not, not to you, to you, to you, to you, to me. To you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now I'd like to just kind of take this verse by verse, since we just have the seven verses here this morning. Paul says, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. It's going to be interesting that the grammatical subject of this passage, the subject of this passage, really doesn't appear until verse 4, because you will notice that um, verse 5 says, He made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. So he begins this section by saying, But you... You were dead in your sins and transgressions. And then it's almost as if he sort of diverts to, to expound upon this. And then he comes back to this. But for you, you were dead in your transgressions. And the subject, God, then appears finally in, this next, in, the, in that verse. So this, between verses 1 and verse 4, Paul expands and expounds upon this thought of us being dead in our sins and transgressions. But this you connects this with what we've just read in the previous section, and it explains the grace in verse 8 and 9 that Gary will be preaching on next week. You, and we could almost say you being dead. That's really a, a good translation. And you being dead in your sins and your transgressions. It's, it's an ongoing word, a participle. It's an ongoing thought. You are, you were continually dead in your sins and your transgressions. Both the Greek and the Jewish world spoke of spiritual death. And these two words, um, trespasses and sins, as in chapter 1 and verse 7, are sort of, you want to be careful, sometimes we, we tend to look at these words and try to find a specific meaning, a specific meaning, but we, we do as we do in our language. We'll use words that have maybe various, various meanings, but when we use them together as synonyms, they kind of give a complete thought. So the idea of trespasses, which is exactly what the, this is a good translation, the idea of the sign says don't go this way, and you go that way. 
It's a willful disobedience. And you notice these are plural, your trespasses and your sins. So it's not just the fact that we have a sin nature, which we do, which we'll see, but we also sin. And we are all guilty of sin. Now there's a thought here in verse, in verse 1 that's, that is going to be developed that I, I will, I, I mean, obviously this is not a popular thing to preach or to teach. In our world today, especially in our culture today, uh, this, would be, this would seem very old-fashioned, very old-school to, to talk this way. But, you know, my responsibility this morning is, is to preach God's Word. And, I, you know, I didn't write it, okay? And um, this isn't my idea. This is God's Word. And so if we're going to be faithful to God's Word, we have to preach the entire counsel of God. I tell you every Sunday just about every Sunday. I don't want anybody to leave here today without knowing how much God loves you. And that is true. God loves you so much. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. Part of the counsel of God also is the story of God's, we'll see, God's judgment upon sin, His hatred of sin, and His wrath against sin, and the fact that Paul says here, either it's true or it's not true, we were all born dead. We were all born dead. Now again, I know this is, this is not something that's popular or something that people would readily accept, but the, the Bible message is that we are born with a sin nature that separates us from a holy, righteous God. We are born dead. And Paul says to the, to the Ephesians, you know, our, our verse this week talks about the, the, the name of God. And we've been looking at, the, at the, um, uh, the, the qualities and the nature of God in our memory verses that we memorize each week. And we've been talking about God's holiness and His name, the name of God, to, to His name, not to us, but to you, O Lord, to your name, because He is full of love and righteousness and holiness. And he hates sin. And we are born in sin. And Paul says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And I don't think he's just talking to the Gentiles here. I don't see how you could cut this up and say he's talking to the Gentiles here. And later on when he uses we, he's talking about the Jews. Because the fact of the matter is, Paul says, the Lord Jesus Christ came in this world to save sinners of whom what? I am chief. I am the first. I am the worst. Because I persecuted the church. So Paul is including everyone here at Ephesus as he writes this and reminds them, you were born dead because you were born separated spiritually from God. You were dead spiritually. John Calvin said, people are born dead and remain so until they believe. Those who are dead have no power to bring themselves back to life. So he begins this with a really stark, clear definite statement of truth that we have to acknowledge if we believe the Bible is God's Word. You were born dead in your transgressions and sins. And now he goes on in verse 2. In which you used to live. Now he's talking to Christians here. You used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Without naming him, we're talking about Satan here. The Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul, not only were we dead in our sins, 
Paul says that in, in, in this, this, this participle again, this, um, this ongoing, that, that we lived we lived in the ways that we followed the, the ruler of this world, the, the, the ruler, the prince, the power of the air. It's interesting that the word air, which is really the English word arrow, we get arrow, Greek word air from arrow, is, is, is very, in, in Greek is very connected to the word pneuma, which is spirit. The word spirit, wind or breath. Hebrew too, God breathed into man the breath of life. And those two words are very, very connected. And, that, and Satan is the prince, the power of the air, the, the, the head of the spiritual forces that are aligned against God. And Paul says, listen, you were born dead in your sins. And you used to live in that way. You followed the ways of the ruler. And you followed the ways of that ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Bible calls Satan the prince the, the, the prince of the air. He, this is his realm, his domain. Um, there's lots of different theological thoughts as to how, how is that possible? Why is this domain? You know, when, when, when Satan took Jesus up on the Mount of Temptation, and he said, what? I, look at all the kingdoms of the world. I will give you these if you will fall down and what? Worship me. And Jesus did not say, those aren't yours. But he said, we are to only worship God. Satan does have authority. Satan has a realm in our world. And, and Paul says, you used to live in that realm. You were part of that kingdom. You were part of that world, part of that age. And you worshipped, if you will, or lived after, even if you didn't worship. Although I will say this, I don't know if I've mentioned this or not, but Ephesus was known in the old world as a real center of the occult as well. It was, a, it was a real center of the magic arts and the occult, as well as, as a Roman seat of power in modern-day Turkey, in the, in the coast, the west coast of Turkey. He says, you all live that way. And it's, it's very stark. You know, this word in the, that's used in the Pauline epistles quite often of, of, of to walk around. That's why in King James it says, you walked. And it's used that way, to walk around, meaning how you, how you conduct your life, how you live. It was commonly used. You walked around in this age. You were part of the ruler or the captain or the chief of this world, this kingdom. Satan, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, is the god of this world. And then he takes it even further. You see, he's, he's sort of, like I say, digressing into building this point when he begins by saying you were dead in your sins. In verse 3, all of us, all of us, no one's accepted. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We lived in the, in the flesh. And we've been reading on Sunday night from, in Romans. We'll be talking tonight in Romans chapter 7 about that, that, that very fascinating section, the last part of Romans chapter 7, of the idea of, of the body and the, and, 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 the, and the old me and the new me, the spirit and the flesh. And, and Paul says, you, you live like this. I mean, look, look at the language he uses. We live, we gratify the cravings of our sinful flesh, our nature. We follow that we were just like everybody else. And when you look at this, and this, this is not very um, appealing. This is not very inspiring the people to preach this and teach this and say, in our sinful condition, you know, we look at it as a matter of degrees. And it does appear there will be judgment according to a life as well, even for the lost, not for salvation. 
but there, there is a possibility of punishment by, by your life. You can't earn your salvation. That's the grace of God, which we'll be talking about next week, and we'll, we'll touch on today. But the idea that, that we, we categorize sins, we categorize. But the very fact of the matter is you're either dead or you're alive. If you're dead, you're dead. You're not partway dead or halfway dead. You're dead. And Paul says we were dead in our sins. We gratified the sinful nature. We were held bondage, if you will, as it says in Romans chapter 6 and 7, because we are all in Adam. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, the Bible clearly says because of Adam's sin, he is the head, the corporate head of the body of humanity, and we are all in that sin. And we have no choice. We are born in sin. We are born dead. We are born separated from God. And as good and as nice and as kind and as compassionate as we can be, we are or were lost. Now the reality is, you know, it's interesting that you know, we have many diversions in our lives to, to, to take our thoughts off the reality. But if, 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 if death is really the end, if there's nothing else to this life, then we're here for a little speck of time and we're gone for eternity and, we, and it ceases. It is pretty despairing. You know, it's the poets and the artists, the songwriters, who are the ones who, who dare to, to broach this topic and, and to talk about the fact that it's, it's pretty hopeless if that's all we have. If, if, if Paul says, if in this life we are, this is all the hope we have, we are the most pitiful of all people as Christians because we're preaching a lie. It is pretty despairing. It is pretty dark. Uh, Gary mentioned Bob Dylan this morning for whatever reason. Um, one of his earlier songs, I, he, 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 this, this line, we sit here stranded, though we're all doing our best to deny it. We sit here stranded, we're alone, but we all do our best to deny it. And that's true. It's true. Occasionally, uh, some will dare to explore this and admit it. It's a pretty dark picture. And, and, it, and, it, and the reason we have to preach this and the reason we have to teach what, what God's Word says is because if we don't understand this, if we don't preach this, if we don't teach this, then the rest of this passage really is pretty weak. It doesn't mean much. But it's because of this, it's because of the truth of this lostness, because of sin. We have, we have just no comprehension, I have no comprehension of how horrible sin is to a holy, just, and perfect God. And why he cannot just say, oh, forget it, it has to be dealt with. He would no longer be just, any more than our judges would be just if they just said, oh, forget it, it doesn't matter, we'll just ignore what happened. You have a sense of justice because we are in God's image. We have a sense of justice, of right and wrong. Sin is horrible. Spiritual death is dark and black. And we come to verse 4. And unfortunately, in the NIV translation, which we generally are preaching out, out of, uh, it's, it does, it's not as strong as it could be. 
Because in the King James, I have it in your bulletin, the New King James, after verses 1 through 3, verse 4 begins, and this is the faithful, this is the, faith, the closest to the original language because it's there for emphasis. But God. Listen, friends, these are two of the most beautiful words in the Bible. If verses 1 to 3 are true, and if that was our condition, and if we died in that condition and faced an eternity separated from God who wanted nothing to do with us, but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, I'm reading from the King James, wherewith He loved us. But God. The initiative lies with God. A dead person cannot make themselves alive. It's not possible. But God, the one who is most compassionate, you know, the one who has suffered the greatest loss, in human speaking, human terms, the losses you have suffered in your life, the greatest loss, are those same things that can make you the most compassionate to come alongside someone else who suffered that loss because you've experienced it. But God, whose Son, Jesus Christ, experienced the whole weight of sin on the cross of Calvary in those hours of darkness when God would not even allow anybody to look upon Him. And the the Son cried out from the cross of Calvary, For the first time in all eternity, for all eternity, the Father loved the Son, the Son loved the Spirit, the Spirit loved the Son, the Son loved the Father. I mean, all the different possibilities of those three. God is love. Who did God love? God loved. But for the first time in all eternity, evidently, God had to cry out to God, Why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? Because on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ experience the punishment from God for the darkness of my sin. If I were the only person in the world, my sin would have been dark and and, and desperate enough, an offense to God. God paid for it. And because only the one who 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 has experienced that can have that compassion, God knows. He experienced in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Himself, God experienced the full weight and punishment of sin. And only the one who does that can love the way God loves. God's love is ongoing. Paul tells us here, but God, because of His great love for us, is an ongoing love. It has the entire action this same God who loved us. And the Bible, he goes on, look what else. It would be one thing if he just said God loved us. God does love us. God does love us. God does love you. But look what it says. Paul builds, just as he built on the death and the dis- and disparity of sin. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich and in his mercy. You know, there's a gospel today that's, that's preached that, that we don't preach at our church. It's called the health and wealth gospel. It's very popular. It's sweeping the world. Not just the United States. It's around the world. And it's a gospel that says God intends for everybody to be healthy and wealthy. And if you're not, there's something wrong with your faith. If you only had enough faith. uh, You know, Paul didn't know that gospel. (laughs) 
Paul was in prison. Paul had times where he was absolutely broke and dependent on everybody else. Had nothing to do with that. But the true gospel of the wealth of God is here in this passage. The true gospel of wealth. The true gospel of wealth is right here. But God, who is rich in His mercy and His great love, He's rich and He shares it with us. And in verse 5, we begin a series of of three words. I'm going to put these up for you one at a time. Of what Paul really is is stretching, inspired by the Holy Spirit here. He uses words that, this first word that he puts up, and I'm going to put it up here, and I put it in the Greek, just transliteration. The only reason I do that is because I want you to see the word play in the original language that that we have here. What we might pronounce it as son, it's actually soon, and it's, 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 it's a prefix, but it's really a compound. It means with. And, and apparently, Paul sort of concocted this word. This word is not found in any other Greek literature. Paul uses it. And, you know, you have words you've kind of concocted in your family. Do you have words in your family that you only know? And other people say, what are you talking about? You know, when, when Christmas time, we make this, you know, what you call Chex Mix. We know with, with the rice, wheat, and Chex, and nuts, and so on. Our, we've always called it Cosmerk. And we asked Teresa's parents from time, why do, we, why, does, why do we call it Cosmerk? It came from her family. And trainers said, well, that's because Austria, it, 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 looked like, it looked like the stuff on the floor in the barn at her, at her parents' dairy barn. <laughs> the sawdust and dirt and stuff. That's why it's called that, Gary, in case you didn't know. You're eating sawdust and dirt. And uh, it was called Cosmerk. You know, we have words we kind of concoct that, 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 that we, or we translate. Paul uses the word here, soon but it means made alive together with. And Paul says here, but God, who is rich in his mercy, he made us alive together with. And notice we're back to where we started. He did this even when we were dead in transgressions. You notice it has nothing to do with you made yourself alive, you worked hard enough, you finally did it, you finally, you know, achieved a certain place. No, God made you alive. Even when you were dead, He made you alive together with Jesus Christ. He enlivened us. And that's, that's exactly what that's, that's the word means. It's the word life is in there, the words together and with. And, it, and, it's, and it's, a, it's an aorist, it's a verb that, that has the idea of completed action with no respect to past, present, or future. It's just done. But it's always done. God made us alive together with Christ. Even when we were dead in trespasses. And notice what he puts in here, he kind of slips in here. But Gary's going to preach on this next week, verse 8 through 10. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace, but God. It is by grace, not by works. It's unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. And nobody knows it better than you or than me. How least, how little we deserved it. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. It is by grace you have been saved. Made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our sins. Listen, friends, it's in the Bible. It doesn't matter if it's popular or not. 
If it's the gospel, and if it's true, and if it's the only hope for eternal life, we have to preach this. It's in the Bible. Look at verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ. Our second word. Soon again. And that's why I'm putting it up there for you. Just, just so you can see the word play. In the original language, each time it has that prefix. Soon. With. Raised together with. Again, it's, it's two words put together. A very rare combination. This, this word like this is very rare, but Paul uses this. When I say rare, it's rare in the other literature in the Greek world at the time. But, but Paul says he, he raised them up together with, like Pastor Peterson, taking my coat off, but I'm going to do that. Okay? Next thing I'll do, if Pastor Peterson would do, now that I'm like this, I'll take my hanky out and wipe my head. <laughs> he made us alive with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. Now look at this is a This is another one of those words that is... Is, is a past action, completed action. It's really not even so much emphasis, not past, it's completed. With no respect to past, present, or future, it's completed. We have been made alive with Christ. We have been. That means it's already happened, it's happening now, and it's going to continue to happen. We have been raised together. How is that possible? You're sitting right here. I'm standing right here. How is it possible I've been raised with Christ? But the fact of the matter is, when, when Christ came to life, my salvation, because I, I received his payment for my sins, my salvation is in that. And as Christ has been raised from the dead and already experienced the resurrected life, I have already experienced, I am already resurrected. That's one of the reasons why we teach eternal security in our church. It's already done. How could I be resurrected and put back? How could I be made alive, resurrected, and put back to death again and made back alive? Either I am or I am. I'm not. I have already been raised with Christ. And then the third one is another word with the soon. Soon a kathisen. I have been seated together. With Christ. The word soon again. Together with. I have been seated. I should have put the word together there. Sorry. I have been seated together with Christ. I have been made alive with Christ. I have been raised with Christ. And I have been seated with Christ. It's already done. It's already done. But God, who is rich in His mercy and His grace, has done all of these things God raised us up with Christ, seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show, this is, this is the true gospel of wealth, this is the true health and wealth gospel, friends, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace. Look at, how else could you say this? in any more wonderful way. The incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Listen, friends, if verses 1 through 3 are not true, verses 4 through 7 are very weak. But it's because of our lostness. It's because of that 
It's because of that. You are dead in trespasses and sins, but God, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, but God, according to the prince, the power of the air, Satan, but God. This same spirit that is now at work right now, as it was in Paul's days, and the children of disobedience, but God. Among whom also we had our lifestyle, our conversation in times past, but God. Serving the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling desires, living for... Listen, you can summarize it by saying being selfish, self-centered, living for me, living for myself. And that's what really matters in this life. But God. And by nature, I was a child of God's wrath. Why? Because I am sinful and God is holy and just. Say it with me. But God. Say it with me. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy. For His great love that He loved us, even when we were dead, has made us alive together, raised us up together, seated us together, that in the ages to come, He might show His tremendous wealth of riches of His grace upon us. What God did for Christ, He did for the believer. This, friends, is an absolute key theme in Paul's writings. That I am in Christ. I am identified with Christ. When Christ died, the reason I don't have to experience death is because Christ did it all for me. The reason I don't have to be legalistic and earn God's love for me, I am in Christ. I am identified with Christ. And just as my children that were born into my family, when they were born into my family, they, they, they were alive in my family and they bore my family name. They became identified with the Shamarias and the Hansons because of our family. And their kids have become identified with our family and their, and their in-law families because of their birth into this family. They are identified with that family name. And you and I, in spite of being born in our sin, in the darkness of sin, and being a child of God's wrath because of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. Because of Jesus Christ, we have already been made alive, raised, and seated. Already, but not yet, because we are yet to fully experience it at the resurrection. But it's already taken place. What God did for Christ, He did for the believers. And as God's amazing power was shown to be what it was when He raised Christ from the dead, His amazing grace is shown to be what it is when He saved you and He saved me. You know, the Jewish people, even today, uh, Orthodox Jews will put on the Teflon. We've talked about this before. They'll put a little box in their forehead. They'll wrap it around their arms. 
and they'll put it on their wrist. So a Jewish boy, when he gets his, takes his bar mitzvah at age 13, when he finishes his bar mitzvah, is, is, is qualified and able to do this and to wear this. This goes back um, to the Old Testament times. It appears the Pharisees, the Sadducees didn't do this, but the Pharisees did. The Apostle Paul probably did this as a young boy when he was bar mitzvah, when he passed from, from boyhood to manhood, and probably throughout his life while he was a Pharisee. In those little boxes are scriptures. They're scriptures from Exodus and Deuteronomy. They're handwritten. They're pretty costly. They're handwritten out, folded up, and put inside. And the idea is simply this. As Paul says, I mean, as, as Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, that God told him to tell the people, write these on your foreheads and write them on, the, on, the, on your hands, on the back of your hands. They, they took it literally, whether he meant that or not, they took it literally and, and they did that because the idea is throughout the day, anything stuck on your forehead, you're going to see. Wherever you go throughout the day, you're going to see this. Stick something on your forehead sometime. Try it out this week. See how it works. Yeah. Um, you'll see it. Anytime if you're right-handed and you use your hand, you're going to see it. The idea was a constant reminder. So I, I just suggest this to you, friends. I suggest this to you. The application of this scripture we have to finish it next week. And Pastor Gary is going to preach on the next part of this. This very well-known passage. By grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works. But works have their place. If as Christians, if we could really, if we could really grasp Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, if we could just along with all Scripture, but if we could just grasp that to the point that it's always in front of us and each day and every day when we wake up to be reminded once again that we are in Jesus Christ. That the power is there to live a life free from the, from the slavery and penalty of sin. That we have already been raised. God already sees us with Him. To, to enjoy that love and, and, and position in Christ, our identity with Christ, and to know who we are. How would that affect our lives if every day we were constantly reminded, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, if we could be reminded of who we are in Christ Jesus? And what God has done for us. And where we came from. And what our hope is. How would that affect the decisions that we make each day? And I give this to you. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. We need to keep that in front of us. If we could really come to understand, to, to, to know this passage to make it a part of our lives, there is no way it would not affect what you and I do this week. Do you really believe that you were lost? Do you really believe there's such a thing as an eternity, punishment, apart from God? Do we really believe there's a heaven and there's a hell? Do we really believe sin is that bad that God would have to go to the cross and die to pay for it? 
And do you really believe that God loves you so much that He would do this for you? But God. But God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for Your Word. And we thank You, Father, that you have called us to yourselves. We humbly, as, a, as your people, just come to you today and thank you. God, may we uh, walk this week with that passage of Scripture in, in between our eyes all week long. Where we've been, whether we feel like it or not, this is the truth. What you did for us, what you are doing for us, and what you will do for us. Enlivened us, raised us, and seated us in Christ Jesus. We love you, and we ask your power and your presence this week that our lives would truly reflect your presence to all we come in contact with. In Christ's precious name, all God's people can say it together.